You hear me? If you got behind and you got caught up in the rams and the lambs and the turtle dove and the speck of blood and the separate the fat and the, and the burn the offering, if you got lost in that, you got a little behind, just don't quit. If you have to skip to today, that's okay. Skip to today just to get caught up and, and just keep reading so there's a church that we continue to read the Word of God through together this year because it is this book that will shape our lives. It's this book that will change us. We're not in the business to change the book. We're in the business to let the book shape our lives. So just don't quit. Listen, it's not going to get a whole lot better for a new few, few days. Right now, you, you're in numbers. We just started into numbers, and you get the number Dan and Asher and the Levites and all the tribes. And but, but can I tell you that you know all your whatever your favorite story is, it's coming. Uh, Elijah's coming. The, the showdown with the 450 prophets of Baal, when, when Elijah called fire down from heaven, it is coming. When, when God sent him down to the brook Cherith and, and he fed him with the ravens, it's coming. When he sent him to the widow woman's house at Zarephath and he said, go there. And he told her to make him some cake. She said, all I got is a couple drops of oil and a little handful of meal. I don't have enough to make you something. He said, make me something first and then make something for you and your kids. And for more than two years, the meal never ran out and the oil never ran dry. It's coming. The stories are coming. Uh, uh, Jonah, it, it's coming. David and Goliath, it, it's, it's all there. Whatever your favorite story is, uh, um, the, the, the lion's den, the, the Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, it's there. It's there. Just, just don't quit. Just, just don't quit. I promise you this. Though you almost read yourself to sleep, go ahead and confess it. I was reading Leviticus. Like the read myself, caught myself yawning, feet propped up. Matter of fact, may have dozed off a time or two, but don't tell nobody. We're going to be like what we're looking at. Nicodemus coming tonight time. Nobody knows me. My little secret. It doesn't change the fact that you cannot read that and it will not alter something in your life. It won't change. It won't. It, you can't do it and it not touch something. So all, all, all I'm asking you, just don't quit. Skip forward if you have to. Go back and make it up later. But just don't quit. All right, y'all ready? John chapter 3. I know I should have been turning there. My, 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 my hand isn't functioning exactly right. But it's okay. It's, it's, it's going to get there. It just makes me appreciate a left hand more than I ever did. <clears throat> John chapter 3. We're going to begin reading in verse number 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night. He said unto him, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered, and here's what he said, Nicodemus, pay close attention. I got something to tell you that's going to change your life. It's going to change his world. See, that, that's what he said in verily, verily right there. Because that is, that is an expression. That is a strong affirmation. That denotes the certainty of importance of what was about to be said. So what Jesus said in response to, We know thou art a teacher come from God. For no man doeth the miracles that thou doest. He said to be from God. So, so his response is, Nicodemus, I want you to pay close attention. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, Okay, I got something else important for you. Pay attention again. Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. 
Marvel not that I said you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered, and he said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou master of Israel? Knowest not these things? Pay attention again. This is going to be important. Verily, verily. I say unto thee, we speak that we do know. Y'all remember what he started out? Nicodemus said, we know. Jesus said, pay attention. We speak that we do know and testify that we have seen and you receive not our witness. If I've told you earthly things and you, do, and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? No man hath ascended to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I, I want to look for a few minutes this morning at midnight with the Master. God, thank you so much for being so incredibly good. God, thank you for loving us in spite of us. Thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. God, thank you for the fulfillment of the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your sweet Holy Spirit. God, I pray, Father, forgive me of anything that would hinder you from anointing my tongue, speaking through my lips. God, would you teach to me, Father, as you teach through me. God, I pray you touch every heart in this place, open every mind, and God, every heart's desire that we might learn about you, Father. I pray you would increase our relationship, increase our oneness, both with one another and you, God, that we might be the family of God that you've called us to be. We love you, Father. You have been incredibly good to us through storms and trials and tribulations. And God, through all the times, you've never, you've never left us, God. We've walked in some dark valleys and we've been some dark days, God, but you've always been there. Father, I just want to tell you thank you. Thank you for being so incredibly good. In Jesus' precious, sweet, holy name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Anybody ever laid awake in the middle of the night talking with the Lord? You know, sometimes, sometimes, not most of the time, sometimes it's just to say thank you. So, sometimes you just wake up, you can't sleep, nothing's really bothering you. That's not very often. But, but, but all you're going to do is say, Lord, I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you for this bed that I've got to lay here in, soft, comfortable. My master slept on the ground with a rock for a pillow. But here I am in this soft, comfortable bed in a temperature-controlled environment with a roof over my head and, and windows where the bugs can't get in. God, I just want to tell you thank you for being so good. I just want to tell you thank you for my family, for my blessings. Thank you for my health. Thank you that I'm laying here not hurting. Sometimes it's just to say thank you, but most of the time it's not, is it? Most of the time, if we're awake in the middle of the night, something's up. Most of the time, we're awake in the middle of the night, the bills are past due. Most of the time, if we're awake in the middle of the night, a family member's in the hospital. Somebody's hurting. Something's going wrong. Something's bad at work. Most of the time, if we're up in the middle of the night and, and we're talking to Jesus, there's something going on. <coughs> Here in our text, Nicodemus, he, he's got some questions and, and he needs to talk to Jesus. But being in the position that he's in, he can't just go talk to Jesus because what if somebody sees him? Well, well, what if he gets caught? I mean, we'll see in a minute. He's a pretty important figure here in Jerusalem, and, and he, he can't be seen. He's, he's one of the leaders. What are the, you, know, you know, a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of people, even it may have even been ourselves, have been like that. 
You invite somebody, invites them to church, invites them to church. And, and to be honest, there's a drawing of the Holy Spirit. They really want to go to church. You invite them to church and in their heart, they're thinking, I'm, I'm going to pop in and surprise them. But here's the true thought. But what are my friends going to say? What if, what if my friends find out that I went to church? You went to what? <laughs> right. What, did the building fall down? What, what, did, did, the, did the glass break? That, that, that's that mentality. What is the world going to think about if, if they see me talking to Jesus? What, what are people going to be? So, so he sneaks in in the middle of the night because he doesn't want anybody to see him. But can I tell you something? It doesn't bother Jesus at all that he came in the middle of the night. It doesn't bother Jesus in the least that he's trying to hide the fact that he came to talk to Jesus. It doesn't bother him that Nicodemus doesn't want to be revealed. All that Jesus cares about is that you come. All Jesus is concerned is that we take time to come because when we take time to come, he'll make time for you. He'll make time to help you. He'll make time to teach you. He'll make time to comfort you. Whatever it is that you bring to the table, he will answer your questions. He will help settle your confusion. He will help you deal with the things that are upsetting you. He'll give you strength to get through the storm. He'll give you light to get through the darkness. His word is a lamp unto my feet. He's never going to take it away. He will be there to do whatever you need if we just take time to come. He'll be there to encourage you in times of doubt. Strengthen you in times of weakness. Lift you up in times when you're down. If we just take time to come. Nicodemus came in the middle of the night. And he's got some misconceptions about some things. There's some things he doesn't understand. Here in this conversation, we learn a couple things about Nicodemus. We know he's a man of the Pharisees, which is the religious leaders of the day. But he's not just a man of the Pharisees. He's a really important figure here in town. He's part of the Sanhedrin Council. He's one of the rulers of all of Jerusalem there. So he, he, he comes in. We, we have some things from the scholars and historians that have studied of the day. And what they tell us is that here in Jerusalem, Nicodemus is one of the top three wealthiest people in the land. There's a reason you see him and Joseph of Arimathea bringing some very costly spices and doing things at the burial of Jesus Christ. There's a reason he has the money to, to do these things. He, he is considered to be one of the best men. Anybody paying attention? Three of you. He is considered to be one of the best men that religion can produce. He is a very wealthy man. He is a religious authority. He's a leader of the Jews. In his opening statement, he makes an error. He tells Jesus, he says, we know thou art a teacher. Well, it's true. Jesus Christ is the greatest teacher that ever lived. If he didn't teach, teach anything except the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he's the greatest teacher that ever lived. But he's so much more than that. Well, I mean, if you say Jesus is the great teacher, you're leaving out Master, Redeemer, and Lord, Savior, the blood of Jesus that taketh away the sins of the world. I mean, he's so much more than, than just a teacher. So in Nicodemus, we have this man who is very respected by society. He has a lot of education. He has a lot of, uh, of religious training. He's very knowledgeable of the scriptures. He knows most of the Old Testament law and prophet. Leviticus that we just read to sleep. 
He, he knows those by heart. He knows the prophet Isaiah by heart. He knows these things because of his position there. So, so he comes in as this leader with good morals and good standards, this very well, very respected person. And if there was anybody, anybody who was ever going to go to heaven based on their own merits, it's Nicodemus. Hello? Anybody ever thought that? Boy, if there's anybody ever went to heaven, it's my mom. Boy, if there's anybody ever went to heaven, it's my grandma. Boy, if there's anybody ever went to heaven, it, it's so-and-so. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Can I tell you, if anybody ever went to heaven, it's for the same reason anybody else did. His name's called Jesus. And what we have here is a man that if anybody else was ever going to go to heaven based on their own merits, it is probably a man like Nicodemus. But what we find out is that there's going to be a lot of so-called good people in hell because they tried to get their own, their own merits. So Jesus opens up the conversation. He says, Nicodemus, I need you to pay attention, son. I'm about to give you something that's going to change your life, change your world, and for all of eternity until I come back to settle the score, this is going to change everything. Except a man be born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God. Verse number four, we get a very, very important word right here. When Jesus tells Nicodemus that if set a man be born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God, Nicodemus does not say why. He, he, doesn't, he, he doesn't talk about what, what I think or what I believe or what we know or what we expect. He, he uses this word, how? Hello? There's a big difference between why and how. So Jesus explains to him about the birth of the flesh, but then he talks about the necessity of the birth of the spirit. The spirit inside must also be born. And once again, Nicodemus responds with the same word, how? Lord, I, I want to know. I truly do. I came to understand some things, and you're giving me some stuff that, that I don't how. How can these things be? So we get to verse 11 and 12. We, we get to the great truths of the Bible. Nicodemus, he opened the conversation. I mean, he said, we know. So here in verse number 11, Jesus says, pay attention. You, verily, verily, you, you think, you, you know something. We speak that we know and testify that we have seen. You receive not our witness. So in verse number 12, for those of you that make underlines in your Bible, for those of you that make notes, for those of you that need to put things, I, I want you to put right here, verse number 12 is the necessity of faith. There is a day coming, somebody say, thank you, Jesus, when my faith will become sight. When we look upon the face of Jesus Christ, we will no longer be creatures living by faith, but by sight. We will have looked at the Lamb of God. We will have seen the streets of gold. We will have seen the jasper walls of onyx. We will have seen each gate is of a several pearl. We will have seen the foundation. We will have seen the light of God. We will have seen the new Jerusalem. We will have seen it all. We won't need faith anymore. But right now today, we live by faith. And he says, if I've told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Verse number 13, this is the source of our salvation. No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. So Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has come down from heaven, and he alone is the source of our salvation. There is no other way. 
And along with the salvation, along with the blood, along with the forgiveness of sin, along with the old things pass away, behold, all things become new. Along with all that becomes, I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Christ has, has filled up, swelled up, and the Holy Spirit of God has moved in so that we are now the temple of the living God. Somebody go ahead and say thank you. Verse number 14 and 15, Nicodemus is taken back to the scriptures. Jesus gives him another illustration. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man, Son of Man be lifted up. If you, wanna, if you don't understand that and you want to know what that's all about, you go ahead and cheat and go ahead and read next Tuesday from Numbers chapter 21. You'll go ahead and find out what this is about. If not, you can just keep up with your reading. You'll, you'll find out about it a, a week from Tuesday. But, but every Jew, especially the Jewish leaders, knows exactly what the serpent lifted in the wilderness was about. They, they know exactly about the children of Israel and all I've been through. They know exactly what Jesus is talking about right here. And, and he says in, in verse number 15, even so must son be lifted up. Verse 15, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Even though Nicodemus, he, he doesn't understand a lot right here. He doesn't understand that Jesus is talking about the cross at Calvary. He doesn't understand that Jesus will be lifted up on that cross and that all come to him be saved. He doesn't understand the relation. He doesn't understand that Jesus is teaching him the New Testament reality of the Old Testament typology. That's what you're reading right now in the Old Testament. That, that's what we're reading. The, the Old Testament's a typology of things to come. We, we read about it back at the temple in the building of the temple and the Ark of the Covenant. All that stuff is a typology of things to come. And, and so he, he's introducing, he's trying to, to teach him some stuff right here. But then we get to what is probably the most known, most quoted, most posted, most repeated scriptures in all the Word of God. I watched a YouTube video, Tim Tebow, a while back. And, and he, was, he was preaching, preaching, I, I call it preaching. If you're talking about Jesus Christ, you're preaching. It doesn't matter to me where the setting is. It doesn't matter to me who you're talking to, if it's a one-on-one, -on -one, if it's talking to a group of people. Here, he's on the stage, and he's talking to a group of people, and he's talking about back in 2008, 2009, when Florida won their once-and-done national championship. Oh, I just lost all the Florida fans. I'm sorry. That, that bulldog red bleeds out. I try to keep it out of this, but... I will give you a plug in it. Georgia lost to Florida that year. That's actually where the story started. They're getting ready to play a rival. They're undefeated. Take that back. They'd already lost, I think, to Ole Miss. They'd lost one game. But they needed this game. And so as the trainers were getting all the players ready and putting blacks under their eyes, he started thinking about, this is his testimony, this is what he shared. I need to make a statement. I need to put something there. The Lord gave him Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. So he had some made, Philippians 4.13, and he wore them. Man, people loved it. Now, because of the heroics of Tim Tebow, I will say anointed of the Holy Ghost, they were able to beat the Georgia Bulldogs. They went on to, to win the rest of the game. If I'm not mistaken, it's Alabama that they beat in, in the SEC championship that year. I think the next year... LSU was there. LSU won the national championship because they had their once and done wonder quarterback. 
But after they had won all the games and they had won the SEC championship, they're getting ready to play what at the time would have been the bowl game for the national championship. They're going to play Oklahoma. You know, it's before the college football playoff series, right? So, so they're getting ready for the game. And he said, the Lord lays on his heart. They need to change the verse. So he just weeped before the game. He mentioned to his parents, I think I'm going to change the scripture. And they're like, have you talked to Urban Myers about that? He said, boy, Coach Myers is like one of the most superstitious people in the world. Like, he, don't even want, he don't even want you washing your underwear. I mean, if you win, don't change nothing. Everything's got to be exactly the same. So I'll, I'll take it up tomorrow. So he goes, this is, hey, coach, you know, you know the verse I've been wearing on my little eye things right there. And the coach, oh, yeah, I love it, man. It's awesome. People love it. It's making a big difference. He says, yeah, I want to talk about that. I'm, I want to change the verse. You want to what? You, you can't change the verse. That's what got us here. That's what superstition tells you. He says, I, I got to change the verse. I, I, I feel like I need to do it. I, I need to put John 3, 16. So finally, coach agrees. You change it. And they, they go and they, they beat Oklahoma. Sorry, Tony. But they beat Oklahoma. And, and they, they win the national championship. And the next day, Tebow is sitting there with his parents. Urban Meyer, they're at dinner. And, and the phone rings. And Coach Meyer's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Really? Yeah? Wow. Really? Hmm. All right, thanks, man. Hangs up. Tebow's like, he said, that's our PR guy. He just wanted to call and tell me that yesterday, during that national championship bowl game, 94 million people Googled John 3.16. I don't know if I want to, if I want to applaud about that or if I want to cry over that. 94 million people watching a college football game had to Google John 3.16 to see what it said. The most noted, most popular, most famous, most repeated, one of the most important verses in all of the scriptures. 94 million people. Not 94 million people didn't know. 94, probably another 94 million that couldn't have cared less. There's probably another 94 million that didn't bother to look. There's probably another 94 million that still didn't know what it says. 94 million people that day did not know and wanted to know what does the verse say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, who, who serves in the house? I thought everybody would be a whosoever. I'm going to give you all another share. Some of you was on Facebook. You weren't paying attention. Some of you was napping. Wake your husbands up. Is that whosoever's in the house? Whosoever, whosoever believeth in him should not perish. That means we ain't never going to hell. Appointed unto man wants to die. Yeah, I'm leaving this old no good sin cursed body. But I have an everlasting life. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. No other single statement in the Bible can offer a more direct picture of God's redemptive purpose through his son Jesus Christ. God so loved the world does not mean that God loves the sin of the world. God proved that back in Genesis 6, Genesis 7. God proved what he thinks about sin in the world. God proved that, that, he, that he doesn't want the sin. He has nothing to do with carrying on there. God proves that, that it's not just about the world. It's not about the stuff. God proved it's about you. It's about me. It's about us. God proved that he loved us so much so that his son stepped down out of glory. Come down here and climbed up on that cross for us. It, it, it's, it's, not, it's not the world. It, it's, it's his creation. 
God loves you and I. He told us in John 15, 13, Jesus said, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Verse 14, he says, You are my friends. If you do whatsoever, I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants. The servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I've called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. There is no greater love that has ever existed anywhere at any time, ever has or ever will, than the love that God has for you. A love that was stronger than our sin. A, a, a love that's stronger than, than death. A love that will never leave you, ne never forsake you, never give up on you. Anybody feel like God had a reason to give up on you at some time? Anybody feel like God would be right if he had given up on you in your Christian life because of some choices and some decisions, some mistakes? Does anybody know that God would still be righteous and holy and just if he gave up on us in our Christian life? God would still be holy and right and justice. If he took me and killed me and threw me in hell right now today, God would still be holy. But he loves us too much. That there's not another love like that in spite of all of the wickedness that is in the world. God is so patient, so kind, so long-suffering. Anybody know there's some wickedness in the world today? In, in, anybody know there's some junk going on? In, in spite of all the wickedness, God said in 2 Peter 3 9 that he is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. That's the kind of love that you and I can't understand. That, that is a love that is past human knowledge, human comprehension. That, that is beyond basic reasoning. That is the kind of love that God has for you and I. Here's what I want to say about this text. Maybe the most popular verse in all the Bible. But it is also the most personal in all the Bible. Jesus is talking to one man in the middle of the night. He's talking to one man who had questions. He's talking to, to one man who did not understand. He's talking to one man who did not even really know who Jesus was. I mean, you got to be some kind of teacher. You, you, you got to have something to do with God. You had to come something. God's got to be on you because of the miracles you do. He, he doesn't even understand. God is talking to one man. Who just took the time in the middle of the night to sneak out when nobody else would see him and come and talk to Jesus. And what Jesus did for Nicodemus, Jesus will do for you. No matter the confusion. No matter the doubt. You, do you hear me? No matter the doubt. No matter the trials. No matter the trouble. If God is no respect for a person's, and he's not, the word of God tells us that, then what he did for Nicodemus, he'll do for me. That means I can bring anything to him, even in the middle of the night. But he's the one that never sleepeth and never slumbereth. You're not going to catch him off guard. He, he's always there. So, so it may be at midnight, but it doesn't have to be at midnight. I, I can talk to Jesus right now. I can talk to Jesus in an altar. I can talk to Jesus in a pew. I can talk to Jesus riding down the road in the car. Men ought always to pray. Right? Pray without ceasing. Right? Because why? The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man does what? Availeth much. 
There's never a time that, that, that we can't talk to him. So, so no matter what your questions are, you, you don't have to raise your hand. But anybody ever have any questions? Let, let me ask you this. I can tell you it's made me have to study. You'd think you'd read this thing enough time that when you read something, you wouldn't see stuff that you don't understand. I still ain't got all the answers. Anybody, when, when we're reading through right now, you read stuff, and I know you've read it before, but you read some stuff that confused you. Can I buy a Bible and cheat? I mean, most of y'all do anyway. I can prove it. I got it in my phone right back there. You text me. What does this mean? You call me. Hey, man, let me ask you something about this right here. Can, can, I, just, can I just toss one back to you? The, the blood on the tip of the right ear and the right thumb and the right big toe. Anybody got that? What? You didn't read it. So, so it's in there three times that I know I've already got to. At the sacrifice of the blood, you gotta, the, the priest has got to put a drop on the lobe of the right ear, the right thumb, and the right great toe. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Now, I, I kind of got a feeling I know what's going on right here. God ain't going to let me see that. He's done it to me before. He finds something that intrigues me, and I start looking for it. And I spend hours studying, and he teaches me all this other stuff, but he never will let me see because he knows when I learn that, I'm probably going to stop studying. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Has anybody read anything that confused you? You're like, what? Anybody, anybody have any questions? I mean, if you understand everything in this book and you got it all figured out, there ain't a question in your mind, there ain't a doubt in your mind, there, there ain't a shade enough to miss and raise your hand. And then come up here and I'm going to sit down and shut up because I ain't got no business being here anyway. We definitely got, God got this out of order. So, so it doesn't matter what your questions are. It doesn't matter what your hurt is. It doesn't matter what your brokenness is. And a lot of you right now are going through some brokenness. A lot of you right now got more on your plate. I've got text just this week that I feel like God's trying to break me. Because one thing after another after another, anybody know what that's about? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter when you come. All, all that matters is, is, is that we come. All the matters is we come sit down because God, God will take care of whatever it is. He may take care of it in his time. I probably need to repeat that one. He may take care of it in his time. He may take care of it in his way. I just, I just want to make sure I'm not the only one. Anybody here have a problem you got it all figured out? If God would just do what you ask, it'd be, it'd be solved. There's only two or three of us. I thought for sure there was more like me. I mean, I got it figured out, God. If you just do this, it'd take care of my problem, right? But God said, my ways are not your ways. <laughs> I got something so much better for you than that. You think that'd solve your problem. No, you just, you just move on to the next problem. I, I, I got something that's not just going to solve your problem. But it's going to affect many others around you, and it's going to bring glory to me. So you just sit and wait till I do it my way. So it really doesn't matter what, what we bring to him, and it doesn't matter when, when it is. Nicodemus had to sneak out in the dark. He snuck out in the middle of the night because he didn't want anybody to see him talking to Jesus. And if that's not bad enough, he doesn't even know who Jesus is. And he's not really going to believe it right off the bat. So if Jesus is willing to sit down and talk to Nicodemus, help Nicodemus, teach Nicodemus, he's willing to do it for us. But there's another key. Jesus didn't go to Nicodemus. 
Nicodemus had to get hungry enough for the answer to come to Jesus. Nicodemus had to get, however you want to describe it right here, whatever fits your story, he had to get hungry enough, confused enough, um, desiring the answer enough, broken enough, hurting enough, whatever the, the situation. He had to get to a point where he came to Jesus. Here's a simple fact. You will never look for God and him not come to you. Man, you guys, you guys be coming on up. I, I can give you another example. Acts chapter 8. That Ethiopian man, that is a very wealthy man. He, he's, got a, he's got a lot of power. He's got a lot of money. And the Ethiopian man, see, he wanted to know something. He'd heard about this Jesus. He'd heard about this God of the Jews. And, and he wanted to know more. So understand, at a great expense to himself, he took a caravan of people. He's got people traveling with him. He's got a great deal of money at a great expense to himself. He traveled all the way to Jerusalem because all he wanted to know was something else about this God. I, I want to know something. So, so when he gets there, he obviously goes to the temple because he gets a copy of the prophet Isaiah. Right there tells you how much money he's got because only the scribes were supposed to handle the writing of them and the Pharisees were in control of them. So the fact that he's able to obtain a copy of, of part of the prophet Isaiah tells you he spent a lot of money. There are some things about the Bible you can just know. He's got, if he got a copy of Isaiah from the Pharisees, which is only given to the Jews, he spent, he spent some cabbages. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He's riding back dejected. He did not find out what he came to find out. He came looking for something from God. And he's in his chariot. He's riding back. And he's reading about the prophet Isaiah. And he's reading about the, the prophecy of the, of the crucifixion of Christ. And he's reading it. Now, and meanwhile, time out. Move over here to Samaria. Philip's preaching the gospel. Philip's preaching to congregations. Hundreds are being saved. Thousands are being saved. The church is growing in multitude. The city's being changed. And God said, Philip, I need you to leave and go down south. I have. He didn't tell him this. He didn't tell him this. But he just, I just need to go down the road to the south towards Gaza. But here's why. I have one man looking for me. I have one man who traveled all the way at great expense himself, went to the Pharisees. I have one man looking for me. Yes, you're preaching to hundreds, maybe thousands. Yes, the church is growing, but I need you to go down here. And Philip, had he stopped, had he questioned, had he done anything except what God said do, he would have missed the chariot. It's important that when God said go, he went right then. And so when he's going, God perfectly times it so that he intersects with his chariot. As the man is reading about the crucifixion of Jesus, now get back over here in the story. And he says, understandest thou what thou readest? You understand that stuff? He said, you're right. How am I supposed to understand that? How could I understand it except somebody explain it to me? Philip says, let me talk to you just a minute. And he climbs on board. And as they're riding along, he tells him about Jesus Christ. And, and they seize the water. He says, what does hinder me from being baptized? The Ethiopian man is saved. And, and they get out and he's baptized. You know why? Because he sought God. And you will not seek God. And God not come to where you are. Or send somebody to help you. You will never look for God. And God not be there to help you. Not at midnight. Not in the middle of the daytime. And you understand the two, the two cases here? 
Nicodemus is at midnight in a hideaway place. The Ethiopian is in a desert place where there ain't nobody in the middle of nowhere. And in both of those extreme places, God said, here I am. I got your answer. I got your solution. Just, just, just talk to me. I want to ask you to stand where you would. There, there's, there, there are many people carrying burdens, carrying problems, carrying difficult situations. There, there, there's many people. You just need to talk to God. You, 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 got, you got something you need healed. You got something broken you need fixed. You, you got financial situations you need covered. You got prodigal children you need to come home. I, I don't know. The list goes on and on and on, right? Just plug yours in right there. You got a thorn in the flesh like the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul says, I got a thorn in the flesh to buffet me. I believe God doesn't tell us what the thorn in the flesh is on purpose. Whatever yours is, there it is. You just bring it to God. Don't, don't, take, don't take a problem home that you can't solve. Don't take a question home that you don't know the answer to. Don't, don't take a situation, a burden, a sickness. Don't take anything home that don't belong to you. God said, I'll meet you whenever and wherever. I want to ask you to bow your heads for just a minute. The altar's always open. You guys are welcome to come pray. If there's anybody in this place that you've never trusted Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, that's your first order of business. That's your first order of business. Don't leave this place without knowing your name is written in heaven. Don't leave this place not, not knowing that, that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Don't leave this place with any doubt about your salvation. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We, we know from Romans 6, 23, we know that the wages of sin is death. We know that we're all sinners and the punishment for sin is death. And that's not death like Hebrews 9, 27, a point man wants to die. That's death like hell. That's eternal death. So for sin, there has to be a death penalty. And Jesus Christ paid your death penalty to give you life. Don't, don't go home without that. Just don't, don't go home with the simplicity of, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Father, I'm just asking you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Just asking you to save my soul. I just want to be saved. I want all my sins washed away. I want to go to heaven. It's not lip service. It's not a poem. You don't, you don't get to say it with your mouth and run out of here and run on back to the bar and go back to living your old way of life. You won't even want to. If you're truly saved and the Holy Spirit moves in, old things truly will pass away. You'll have new desires, a new hope, a new life, a new direction. But it's up to you. God's never going to force you to take a free gift. He's going to offer you the free gift if you want it. You've got to reach your hand out and take it. Father, I'm a sinner. I'm asking you to come into my heart. Forgive me my sins. Save my soul in Jesus' name. And he's faithful to meet you there. Go ahead, guys.